0: Opinions voiced in Investing Simplified with Bo Caldwell are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine what may be appropriate for you, consult with your attorney, accountant, financial, or tax advisor prior to investing. Investors cannot invest directly in indexes. The performance of any index is not indicative of the performance of any investment and does not take into account the effects of inflation and the fees and expenses associated with investing. Guests on Investing Simplified are not affiliated with CWM LLC. Investment advisory services offered through CWM LLC, an SEC registered investment advisor. Mm-hmm.
1: We do investing
2: simplify.
1: Welcome into investing simplify however you're joining us today thank you for making us a part of your day or a part of your week and Matt you know we took last week off had a I guess the kids call it a mashup I guess read so. a, a mashup of previous episodes. We wanted to make sure we're still bringing you that content as we've had some trouble getting uh, Kevin and Taylor in here just from a scheduling perspective. They're both very busy, you know, as the tax deadline got extended uh, till May. So t- uh, yeah. Kevin's been kind of stuck in that uh, hibernation hole, the tax hibernation as he does during this time of year. And Taylor's just been... Really busy, a lot of folks calling in um, from the radio show that have come in to get their financial houses in order. A really important thing, you know, we, we actually dealt with this. And I, I want to mention we had a, a listener, you know, had emailed with some suggestions. We've had some good questions come in from email. Until we're able to go back live then and take calls live on the air, we want to make sure we're bringing you the content that's applicable to you. So shoot those questions to askbo at pfgwm.com. Your name doesn't go on a list, your email doesn't go on a list, or anything like that. We're just looking for to make sure we're bringing you the content that's applicable to you that you want to hear about, right? Exactly. And we get to talk about things that excite us or scare us, and we're going to talk about some things today that um, you know that concern me and some things that to, to pay attention to. But one of the things we want to make sure is if it's a question that you've been wondering, something that's been bugging you, something that you've been worried about in your financial world... It's definitely something that somebody else is worried about, right? And, yeah. and we can we can talk about that too, right? Things, Matt, that um, this listener sent in and I think is worth repeating and we, we talk about it all the time, but yeah, but I, I really appreciate that he brought it up was was the idea of I said get your financial house in order, we reference Taylor, right, as we're looking, you know, to what she does and what her company helps folks do. They actually make sure that, you know, what happens after you pass away is what you want to have happen, which is the biggest concern that I think we all have. And, you know, as this listener rightly points out, it's worth repeating over and over again, make sure that your beneficiary designations line up with what you want to happen after you pass away, right? As a reminder, the beneficiary designation. So on your IRA, on your 401k, on your 403b, if you have a beneficiary listed, right? And it's different than what's in your will or in your trust. The beneficiary designation is what trumps, you know, your will, or your trust. Mm-hmm. So you need to make sure that you are putting in there, talk, call your broker, call your HR department, call Fidelity if that's where your, you know, your 401k is. Make sure that that lines up because things change, right? We have um, life changes, divorces, remarriages, new kids, you know, sadly people pass away. All these things happen and then it changes. And, you know, Matt, you've dealt with this a couple of times recently This with this new CARES Act, right? Yeah. Or was it the SECURE Act? One of the two, but one of these two one acts that the two, where they changed the beneficiary IRA, you know, rules, yeah. right? So they changed it. So the new beneficiary IRA, if you inherit an IRA, you have to take that money out within 10 years. But if you didn't set a beneficiary or if your your father, your mother didn't set a beneficiary or let's say... You know, as we're as we're thinking about, it, let's say mom sets dad as the beneficiary of her IRA. Dad predeceases mom; he passes away. You know, she's obviously distraught. Maybe they were older; they married for a long time, so she follows after, not not long after, right? Mm-hmm. And never reset her beneficiary to not include dad. She just had dad as her primary beneficiary, no contingents, nothing named. What mm-hmm. happens?
2: Well. At that point, the uh, that's when the will has to kick, in, if there is a will, right? Because if there's no beneficiary named, the state's gonna have to decide. You know, the court's gonna have to right, decide, right? right,
1: right. But I mean, in terms of that new rule with the Secure Act, if there's no named beneficiary, it's no longer ten years, right? Oh, sure, yeah. If there's uh, that, then it uh, shrinks it down to a five-year rule. So if that's a sizable IRA mm-hmm. or a sizable four hundred one k that you have that you don't have a beneficiary named, a contingent which means the level after your primary right. beneficiary, or a tertiary, which means the level after your contingent beneficiary. If you don't have somebody named, if there is no named beneficiary, it goes to your estate. Yeah. Problem one, right? goes to your estate, yes, which you does. just mentioned. Now, the state decides, or your will does. I mean, if you have a will in place mm-hmm. or a trust in place, it goes through probate, and yeah, your beneficiaries have to go to court, got to get things figured out. Eventually, they get it. But when they get it, problem number two comes. They have to take it out within five years instead of getting to stretch it out
2: within 10, right? Absolutely. So it it shortens the time and it it makes either the, you know, could make the distributions larger, uh, which would make it, uh, you know, potentially higher taxes for them when they pull it out. So it complicates things. Plus, you just described this over like two minutes and that was a lot of words about a lot of complicated (laughs) things. And so if you don't want to deal with having to go all the complications and hiring attorneys and, you know going through the court, the simplest way is to just you know pick up the phone and call your broker, your advisor, or the firm that's got your accounts and make sure that they update the beneficiaries to what you want them to have. So, and that also goes for banks, right? Banks are important. A lot of times, we have a bank account, checking account, savings account. Maybe you have a savings account at a credit union that you've just been squirreling some money away. Make sure you contact them to add beneficiaries. Um, I would say that most of the time. IRAs get more taken care of. People always think about those and, and set up beneficiaries, but bank accounts, a lot of times people don't. And so um, adding beneficiaries to bank accounts is important uh, just as much because not that there is, uh, you know, you don't have beneficiary bank accounts per se, because there's no no such thing. But if there's not a named beneficiary on a bank account, um, mm-hmm. what will happen is uh, the court still has to decide where the money goes, right? Now, it's the taxability of it is different than, obviously, a retirement account. Right. But the court still has to tell, you know, and it could be, I mean, I've seen instances where we're talking about a $300 bank account, but yeah. then you have to deal Pay with... thousands of dollars. Yeah, potentially, court, yeah. right? Or or even the paperwork going through different claims and small estates and affidavits and such you have to fill out. It's just a headache. Um, but legally, the bank cannot release the funds until they have the proof and the paperwork in front of them.
1: Right. Right. Well, Ian, you know, the other thing that you mentioned in there, so that, it, that that occurred to me, and you could talk about this with your background in in banking. But mm-hmm. so, what if what if I'm you know hel- I've been helping mom you know with checks and maybe I was POA right? So right. power of attorney on that bank account, which maybe a lot of people don't know. So let's take a stop there and just talk about the power of attorney does not follow after death right it's only good while that Ceases. person is living right yep. so maybe i was only poa on mom's bank account she did not get a transfer on death or a payable to, on death a right. beneficiary set up like you mentioned depending on you know how the bank how the bank words it so she did not have that now mom's bills are still coming up in her house she's got her house right that we're going to try and sell but we can't pay the power bill and the electric bill and the, yeah. or, you know, or whatever, the property taxes, heaven forbid she passed away right before property taxes are due, all these things. And I'm not able to write checks anymore off her account because there's no beneficiary. And like you said, maybe it's a small account, but maybe it's 25 or 30,000.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's as challenging because the paperwork will be the same. The amount of work will pretty much be the same for smaller accounts, middle-sized accounts, larger accounts. Now, you know, uh, so the, we'll hopefully get Taylor on uh, one mm-hmm. of these days mm-hmm. again uh, to talk in more details. But uh, but yeah, it's very important, you know, because that's the last thing you want is all of a sudden you're cut off, right? And That's basically what happens. So you you're, you're right. The person that your power of attorney for passes away, the power of attorney passes away with them, and then you. Some people don't know that uh, mm-hmm. per se, you know. Um, So they may kind of operate under the assumption, which they shouldn't. Um, But as soon as the the institution finds out, they'll shut off the access to any sort of, you know, accounts because that's what they legally have to do. Right. And then you have to provide other paperwork to them. So it really doesn't take a lot of time to kind of get your financial house in order, as as Beau, um, you said earlier. Yeah. Um, it's just a matter of you know create a create a balance sheet for yourself, your assets, liabilities, and figure out each asset to make sure the titling is proper. You know, it's if it's bank accounts, retirement accounts, investment accounts, all of those. You know, it's a good exercise to go through once a year or every few years, um, and 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 as life changes, it's important to update all those. Right. Well, you yeah. you want to make sure you're checking in on those, like you said, life changes
1: doesn't necessarily mean you need a trust or. You, right. I, we think we personally think everyone should have at least, you know, a basic will. That's our personal opinion, right? Make sure you – I have to put the caveat in there. Make sure you consult with your own estate attorney or, you know, a licensed attorney. But my personal thought is why wouldn't you have that, have the advanced directives, the financial power of attorney. You want to make sure that you're covering your basis so your loved ones aren't left out in the cold, right? And part of that is getting your beneficiaries set up properly, especially as, you know, I don't know. I'm not tied in, you know – to To the uh, political world to know exactly what 's what 's going on what you know what changes are actually going to happen but I, I I mean my feeling is taxes are going to go up right <laughs> They're, yeah. you know they 've been historical lows, I think not just from a Capital gain standpoint, but I think capital gains long term, and we'll talk a little bit about capital gains. We'll talk a little bit about you know maybe some ways to avoid them in the next segment, where you are not avoid them because you you can't avoid things. If you're making money, you got to pay taxes. Right. That's you know death and taxes are the two constants in our world, right? But some ways to maybe minimize the effect of it. But I I, I just think it's it's worth repeating again that you know your beneficiaries is a, is a simple thing to do to make sure that what you want you know what you want to have happen after you pass away actually happens. Exactly. You know, and you're not leaving your family in a, in a tough situation and maybe it costs a little bit of money right now if you're talking a trust or a will to get set up but it's going to save them generally speaking a lot of money in the long run if they don't have to go through probate don't have to pay the attorneys you know. Yeah. Taylor's talked about it all the time where she you know where she says you know she's an attorney so she's you know that's how she's paid but she doesn't want her clients to have to pay for legal fees that they shouldn't have to pay. Right? The only people that win in litigation are lawyers, right? Mm-hmm. And if you're if your family if you don't have it set up properly, if you haven't done the due diligence and gotten your beneficiary set up, then you may also be leaving your family to a situation where they're going to go to litigation with each other because they think yeah. they knew what mom wanted even though mom, because and because mom never set it up in her yeah. account, right? That could it could be really bad and and a lot of people don't think about that, especially if they're managing their finances separately, right? We have a good amount of clients who one spouse does the primary financial management and the other spouse doesn't, right? So you want to make sure that you're communicating that plan with your spouse too, right? Everyone should be on the same page. When people come and see us, we always ask that at least, you know, that we're communicating with both spouses because, you know, you're a team, right? Even if you're handling, yeah, exactly. primarily handling the finances. So, you know, I think that's a good place to to take a break there and we're going to come back with some more uh, some more ideas about you know taxes and what we think we see coming. Again, I, I just ask if there's something that's been bugging you, something that has been worrying you about your finances and you'd like us to answer the best way we know how or see if we can't find the answer from one of the experts we work with, give us a call 503-253-3000 or shoot me an email, askbo at com. We'd also just like to remind you, you can text review REVIEW to 484848 if you'd like to Get a, a review done, a complimentary review of your beneficiaries, of your finances, of anything and everything in your financial life. We'd love to take a look at it and tell you what we think. We'll be right back with more Investing Simplified.
0: Leaving an employer can be stressful and overwhelming. But once the dust settles and you are at a new job or perhaps retired, it is important to consider your options for that retirement plan left behind. If this situation applies and you would like to hear more about options available for 401k, 403b, or other retirement account rollovers, please give our office a call at 503 253 3000 to schedule a complimentary consultation with someone on the team. To go over your specific and individual situation, we will take the time to get to know you, your goals, and let you know what the best course of action is for you and your family.
1: We do Investing Simplified.
0: You're listening to Investing Simplified. Now, back to Bo Caldwell.
1: And welcome back to Investing Simplified. If you're just now joining us, thank you for tuning in. As a reminder, you can get our show, this show, replays of past shows, as well as our podcast on any place that you get your podcast for free, whether that's Apple Podcasts, Google Play, uh, iTunes, any of those places. If you do get on there, we'd love for you to leave us a review and or subscribe. That's how we know people are listening and making sure we're bringing you the content that's applicable to you. So Matt, I think it's, we talked a little bit about capital gains or touched on it last segment. I think it's worth, you know, going into it a little bit, everyone's favorite, uh, you know, capital gain, especially with, there's a lot of scuttlebutt going around, right? Mm -hmm. A lot of news uh, about the president's plan, you know, the proposed plan to raise capital gains tax rates. Um, I think there's a lot of misinformation. There's a lot of, you know, a lot of, a lot of folks are scared or misunderstanding what's exactly going on. And not that we're fans of increased taxes so I don't no. want to put that out there I'm not not saying that but there's ways to mitigate it there's ways to prepare for it and maybe some ways to understand the basics of it and we're going to go as deep as we can without Kevin being here we're going to put that caveat out there we are not tax experts we are trying to be you know you know, smart and have good strategies for you to use in your investment planning and yeah. in your retirement planning. Um, always everything we talk about when we talk about taxes comes with the
2: caveat of make sure to consult with your tax advisor. Your particular situation may be different. So yeah, there's been, um, like you said, lots of, lots of talk about, uh, the potential capital gains tax rate going up, but I thought it may, may be uh, important or, or or helpful to kind of go over uh, you know what capital gains are in yeah, general I was gonna say, what you know and what then, it is
1: and what the difference yeah, is because yeah, people yeah, hear taxes, taxes are going up yeah
2: you know how does how do capital gains affect you and how does it affect you know your income income and such well yeah. we talked about this on the show that we we do feel like over time you know unfortunately taxes will be going up uh just it's just that's how things work unfortunately things well, get more expensive and, well, and you know as the, you gotta the pay for the yeah for the for, for, for the money that's uh you know being printed so um First of all, the capital gains tax um, applies to, um, you know, assets you hold for, you know, short term or long term short term would, you know, there's not a capital gains tax. It's just ordinary income. But when we're talking about long term, long term has got to be over a year. So if you buy some stock of company, you hold it for over 12 months, then it becomes a capital gain, but it also becomes a long term capital gain. And so that's what has been in the news, and you know, president has been talking about. So, there are three main uh, brackets that they that we currently have. It's actually a very simple, uh, for once, a simple tax uh, code piece. Where, if you um, as an individual make less than forty thousand dollars a year, your um, actual rate on capital gains is zero percent. For uh, a married filing jointly, uh, it's actually eighty thousand. So, if you're a couple and you make eighty thousand or less, you're not paying any. Uh, long-term capital gains tax at all, which is which is really a nice little caveat that people don't realize. Um, so, if you again buy a stock and hold it for a couple of years, it appreciates. If that appreciation of it may not be taxed. The second bracket from that is the fifteen percent bracket, and this is where you know most of most people live. You know, it's 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 between forty thousand and a dollar all the way up to four hundred forty-one thousand four hundred fifty dollars for a single person. Sure. And then for a couple, it's from that eighty thousand and a dollar up to four hundred ninety-six thousand six hundred. And so that's that limit um, just shy of a half a million dollars. And if your income falls in that bracket, you're paying fifteen percent, which again is not, not the worst. Um, not great. I don't like not, paying anything. Yeah, but it, but yeah. You like the first bracket better, of course. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, and then, then there is the final bracket, and then the final bracket starts at four forty one, four fifty one for an individual, and that's uh, you know, goes up. Uh, there's no limit and then for, for now for now and for a couple it's a uh, $496,601 that's that's when the uh, 20% bracket kicks in sure and so the proposal is that if your income is over a million dollars and i don't know if they uh if they've actually identified if it's a couple or a single person i'm i'm, I'm not sure not yeah
1: not again sure. yeah so,
2: but the proposal is a million dollars, a million in dollars plus of income um, and at which point there would be a bracket introduced that would basically be just your ordinary income bracket right. which which is like 39.6% i believe that's the highest bracket so if you happen to have a year where you're making a billion bucks and then you also sell a bunch of long term stock or properties or property, that you hold long term, yeah, um, or homes or rentals or whatever, uh, that's when that t- tax bracket kicks in, and it would be you know substantially higher. It's twice, twice yeah. as high, and, and if you include you know. State taxes, like some certain states have, (laughs) not Oregon. Uh, (laughs) California is pretty bad too. You know, you can get up there. You know, you can be in the mid to high forties. Some states. Well, you know, I mean, that's that's worth pointing out
1: too. Not to not to you know interrupt your role here, but with you know the state of Oregon does not have it. They don't differentiate between ordinary income and capital gains.
2: Oh, that's good to know. Yeah,
1: so it's just ordinary income. Now, ordinary income rate, the top rate in Oregon is ten percent, right, or nine point nine. So it's only te- only ten percent more. <laughs> so with the two, you're you're just yeah. about at fifty percent, just about at half. Yeah, if you're, which is a substantial increase, and a lot of people are are you know have significant worries about it. And one of the things that we we think you know to mitigate that could be a really good plan. I mean, a is working with a fiduciary advisor that's helping with what we call tax loss harvesting or tax gain harvesting, right? Mm-hmm. So if you're being if you're being strategic about when to take profits. In your, in your, uh, in when to take profits in your, bless you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> when to take profits in your, uh, in your investment account, right? It, it, we always say, the caveat I always say is don't make an investment decision purely based on the tax implications, right? Because right. if you're making money, then you're going to pay taxes on it. That's just kind of the way that, that America works. But if you're making money, doesn't mean you have to be, you know, stupid about when to take those tax, when to take those gains and when to take the tax yeah. hits. And if you think so, you know, if you think that, you know, tax are going to go up or if you think you're going to have taxable gains, it's worth being strategic to take taxable losses in the same year. Right. Cause you can net those against each other. Right. It's worth working with a CPA, a professional like Kevin or his team, because we have some clients that he discovered, Hey, you have these tax loss carry forwards because you know, that's a, concept that you know may be difficult for people to understand, but if you have a taxable loss
2: mm-hmm.
1: in a year right and it exceeds all your capital gains, you get to write off three thousand dollars towards yeah. your ordinary income right so let's say you had a hundred thousand dollar loss you took a took a bath on a house, which right now is nobody's taking baths on houses right. unless you're buying but <laughs> but let's say example, you took a ba- let, yeah. for example let's say you took a bath on a house or you, you know investment property that you lost $100,000 on it and you only had $20,000 worth of gains that year in, in your stock portfolio. So okay, so we're going to net net those. Now we have $80,000 of a capital gain. Mm-hmm. So you take $3,000 of that, apply it towards your ordinary income. We still have $77,000 of a taxable loss that we get to carry forward for your entire lifetime and if you're married for both of your lifetimes. Yeah get to carry that forward every year. So if you're working with a team, a CPA and a financial fiduciary advisor that can look at that and say, "Hey, you've got these tax losses that are carrying forward. Let's take uh, let's take some of the gains that we had this year. We let's say you bought in right in March, right mm-hmm. of last year and now it's been a year. Hey, now those long-term capital gains and you went gangbusters. Let's say you bought the bottom of the market. Right. Went straight up, you know, since then got not straight up since then literally, but you know, feels like it. You yeah. have a bunch of gains, let's net net those off. Alternatively, if you have a lot of gains and maybe you don't have that carry forward because you're not lucky enough to have, to have had a loss in an investment property, look at your gains this year. It's worth we're doing this with our clients, we're taking a look. You know, we've been calling it sort of spring cleaning right as right. we get into spring, yep. but taking a look, I, my personal view is that capital gains rate in some form or fashion is going to get raised. yeah. And I think there's more tax raises coming behind it. I'm not happy about it, but I think that's what's happening. Right. So if I'm getting prepared for that and if I think that's what's happening, it might make sense to start locking in some of those gains right yeah. now, right? Rebalancing your portfolio. Yeah, we're going to have to pay some taxes this year, but I'd like to pay 20%. Let's say I'm a million-dollar-plus earner, right? I'm yeah. in that category where we're going to get bumped up. I'd rather pay 20%, uh-huh. well, 23.8 because you have the Medicare tax, right. but whatever, 20%. Plus Oregon. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. 20% rather than 40%. Right, mm-hmm. Thir- rather yeah, than thirty-nine point no, six, different. it makes a huge difference, and th- you know that may or may not apply to a lot of listeners because again, you have to have a million dollars worth of income. But if you have, you know, I have, you know, I have a client I've talked about it before. He bought Amazon, you know, back at you know sixty-five dollars. Yeah, he bought it at sixty-five dollars a share. Amazon's trading, you know, right now 3500 $3, dollars yeah. a share. So he's got a significant capital gain, right, in that Amazon stock. So if you're like him and you did a great job, even if you only bought 100 shares, 1,000 shares, you bought you know, $65,000 worth of Amazon stock back in the day, now that's worth $3 bucks. If you tried to sell it, suddenly you're over the million dollar you know, the capital gain. Now we're at 40%. Why not think about doing some of that now? And what a lot of people don't realize, so if you are locking in gains, you can turn right around and buy the stock back. Right You can't do that with losses. so if you're recognizing losses, there's a thing called a wash sale, right where you have to wait 31 days until you can buy back that stock again, otherwise the IRS doesn't allow you to recognize your loss. yeah, but they don't mind if you're taking gains because yeah, they're getting their they're getting their money, right? Yeah. So if you have a significantly impre- increased position and you're thinking taxes are going to go up, ta- capital gains are going to go up. also the market is at all-time highs, so maybe I want to <laughs> take yeah, some risk off, off the table, maybe. Maybe it makes Possibly. sense to explore that, and like I said, if you had that Amazon stock, sell it, turn around and buy it. Now we recognize the gain. We take take you know Uncle Joe out of the uh, out of the equation there. If he does raise taxes, right? So then now we've got maybe we've locked in lower capital gains rates, and we can still own the stock if we think the company's still going higher.
2: We could, yeah. And I, I mean, a lot of people will still think, well, I mean, what if I don't ever need to use the money? Then you get the step up at uh, death, which which is a val- you know important point, but. You know, that's only if if you don't expect to use any of the money, right? And, right. And, and and if you don't, that's different. But if you expect to have income needs in the next several years, you know, mm-hmm. it may make sense to take those, diversify amongst other asset classes, and then, you know, lessen your burden over the next several years.
1: Well, and additionally, so just speaking to that, and yeah. a- again, I don't want to be rumor mongering or going on things we don't know that are going to happen, but I know that's another proposal that is working its way through the halls of Congress, is getting rid of the step up in basis. uh Oh, now I don't know if that's going to happen. I don't know that you know that seems crazy to me that they that they would get rid of that. It's been a you know I don't know how long it's been in there, but it's been in for a long time. But uh, we can only operate with you know what we know, what is happening now. Right. But if we're trying to be prepared, like you said, yeah, there might be a step up in basis when you pass away. There might not be. Hopefully, there still is. Um, hopefully, reason prevails. Right. But just from a tax rate perspective. You know, making sure that you can lock in that lower um cap gains rate if you think that the capital gains are going higher might make a lot of sense too. It may, yeah. I mean, not where again, this is individual situations may vary, right? Absolutely we, I feel work. like we need to put
2: that like, the super fast, you know, disclaimer at the end of it. But everybody will have a different situation, different, you know, thoughts on the subject. You know, some people will say, Oh no, taxes are gonna be where they are. Oh, they're gonna go up, but it's not gonna go up. Have you know enough in my lifetime to worry about it? And so there's different you know school mm-hmm. you know and all, everybody's got some validity to their claims, right? It yeah, just, we're all looking at their own crystal ball and trying to figure out the prediction. Um, but with, with as you said, things are kind of um, bubbling up from within.
1: They at least feel that it yeah. feels to me that they're leaning that way. And just even even being you know someone who doesn't like you know doesn't want to raise taxes. I'm not into you know not into raising taxes. Mm-hmm. We're printing money left and right, right? Yeah, the national have. debt is is ballooning, you know, out of control, and so it gets to the point of okay, so how are we going to pay that? Mm-hmm. Barring us just, you know, telling China to pound sand because they you know, they own a ton of our it's like borrow our from here right? to pay Paul. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So what? How are they going to? How are they going to cover that? And especially with a lot of the proposals and stuff that's coming out of Washington, here's the the other, you know, things we want to roll out. How do you pay with that? Pay for that. You pay for it taxes, generally, right? And so I, I just – that's my personal view is that I think that they're going to, you know. Yeah,
2: yeah. and then there, I think um, – and I don't want to dive into this too much because it's a very complicated subject, but I also th- – Thought I heard somebody talking about 1031 exchanges. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The limit. Yeah. Uh, fi- was it five hundred
1: thousand? Yeah. Is Limiting five hundred thousand, yeah.
2: which basically means if you, let's say, bought a rental property. Uh, oh
1: yeah. Well, so do you want to start real quick? So 1031 exchange is. Yeah. You can exchange your investment property. For
2: a, a similar, similar property, yeah.
1: something of similar use, Higher
2: and you value. don't have to pay the
1: capital yeah. gains. You carry your basis. You just kind of kick you. the
2: can down the road. So, yeah. if you have a rental property you bought for, let's say, you know, hundred thousand, it's worth a half a million dollars now. So, you have four hundred thousand mm-hmm. gains. You could take those gains and um, push them over and buy another property, and so defer. The taxes further so there has been again this is a rumor mill in a way because i right. don't think anything is official none of no. this stuff is official yet but potentially there would be a cap of only a half a million dollars being allowed and it's not clear if it's per property per year per individual but it's one of those things where it could also change you know i had a conversation um earlier this week with a listener who had a rental property He purchased, actually, it was a duplex for about a 100000 Okay. And he's thinking of selling it for half a million currently. But Mm -hmm. then should I move into it? What do we do uh, to kind of avoid uh, having to pay 400000 of gains? So I did a little bit of research. And again, this is something you want to run by an accountant, CPA. But if you were to move into the full duplex, first of all, and live there for two out of five years, you could potentially capture some of that... um, We've talked about the, the exclusions you have, and there's Section mm-hmm. 121, where 250000 per individual you can defer if you're in there as a prime residence. But the initial 100000 he purchased it for, whatever that was depreciated down to, most likely down to nothing, would be um, fully taxed um, as recapture and everything. So that is baked in and done. But there's potentially some uh, room for for uh, saving taxes if you move into it if it makes sense obviously you can't move into you know you can't say hey i have a 10 unit apartment complex and i'm making my primary residence because i mean you could try to push that one through but you know you can't say hey i have nine, uh, nine, uh, nine different units i'm living in a different one each each week and each month but some of those things um are going to be changing we know tax code always changes gets uh, people say it gets simplified and then it gets complex again so working with the tax professional with a fiduciary advisor, as you said, so they're kind of looking out Mm -hmm. into the future of what we hypothetically could see happen and then planning for it, right? We plan as if, okay, what if this happens, then we do this. If that happens, we do that. So you can kind of be prepared ahead. Um, And then, you know, um, a worst case scenario would be that nothing, none of this kind of comes into play we stay where we are. And so, but then at least you were prepared and you didn't have to worry about Things coming up you know in the future in a tax code right, so right, yeah, yeah, no it, you know it you can only be prepared just like we can only
1: in when we're talking about investment portfolios, looking at the markets, looking at what we see coming you, you can only be prepared for things that you know might happen because nobody knows yeah nobody knows what 's going to happen, nobody knows which way the you know the winds are blowing, but it certainly feels that way right from a from a standpoint in Washington, I think you know that. You know, that kind of dovetails into, you know, my, my favorite conversation, <laughs> although we've done quite a few of them, you know, lately, but it's the Roth conversion conversation, right? Yeah. And so, it you know, Roth conversions, uh, you know, are not a capital gain. It's ordinary income. Right. That's important. Right. Which is important to note because we're not talking about ordinary income tax raises yet. Yet. No. The, key, <laughs> the key word being Yet. Maybe next week. Yeah, right. <laughs> <When> <laughs> the, when the, that's terrifying, but probably true. But so Roth conversions, when you convert money from a traditional IRA to a Roth, it's 100% taxable at your ordinary income rate, which again, if you're in Oregon, doesn't really matter because capital gains, ordinary income. Same same you thing. Know, you know, same deal. SSDD, right? So if we're looking at Roth conversions, though, if you think that tax rates are going to go up in the future, I think it's a twofold benefit to do the Roth conversions now. Mm-hmm. One is because... Your income rates, if you're planning on doing Roth conversions, if we're trying to get money into Roths, you can have tax free income in retirement. Do it, you know, doing it earlier if you think tax rates are going to go up. It's benefiting you. You're getting a lower, conceivably lower tax rate or lower tax bracket now if you think tax rates are going to go up over time, right? It benefits you because Roths don't have required minimum distributions. So when you turn 72, you don't have to take the money out like you have to do out of traditional plans, right? And if t- interest if tax rates are going up, again, withdrawals from a from a IRA, Roth conversions from an IRA, those are both ordinary income. You're going to have to take the money out with the RMDs and even, you know, like you said, we've got folks that say, "Well, I don't need the money." Right? I don't need the money right now, for sure. You don't necessarily need to take it out and you you know, the IRS doesn't care though whether you need the money. They make you take it out at 72. Right. So maybe think about taking some time to do, convert some of those dollars to Roth so you don't have the IRS telling you you have to take it out. And I mentioned it's twofold, right? And the second piece is we talked about getting your financial house in order, taking care of your beneficiaries, making sure that they are um, you know, taking care of the way that you want them to be. right? right? And I, I put the caveat in there that I do a lot. That doesn't mean you have to leave anything behind, right? right. I, you know, I famously have a client who he said he wants his last check to be to the funeral director and he wants it to bounce. There you go. <laughs> I've heard that one before. Right. Yeah. That's that's the one. He would, so in that, if that's the case, we're just looking at you. But if you are thinking about leaving a legacy or leaving something behind to your kids or your grandkids or or whomever, mm-hmm. if you convert it to a Roth, a Roth passes to them tax free too. Yeah. Now the rules, they still have to take the money out because it's an inherited IRA type, so they're going to have to get the money out within ten years, but it comes out tax free. Yeah. And especially if you have appreciating assets or assets that are growing. Right. If you have assets that have just exploded in value, I mentioned, you know, maybe you have that, maybe you bought that at Amazon at $65 a share, right? And if you you bought, if you converted it to Roth, that's the other thing to consider when converting to Roths. And I know people are probably super tired of me talking about Roth conversions, but I just think it's such a powerful, powerful item, right? But if you're thinking about converting to Roth and you do convert, you can convert what's called in kind, because a lot of people have concerns. Well, I don't want to convert, and maybe it takes a week or two for the, uh, you know, for the uh, custodian to process the conversion right. and whatnot. So they worry about being out of the market, especially because you know there are certain days where certain stocks fly. You can convert what's called in kind, where you can actually convert shares. It's okay. the one way you can put shares directly into a retirement account. Right, you can't contribute shares, but you can convert shares. So that's something we're thinking about if you're doing a conversion. If you've been thinking about doing a Roth conversion, you don't really know how it works, you heard all these things, you heard me just wax poetic, but you want to get a deeper dive mm-hmm. yeah. with somebody on our team, give us a call, 503-253-3000, and a fiduciary advisor will be happy to sit down with you, walk you through the process of a Roth conversion, and tell you what we think. We can tell you if we think it's applicable to you, if we think it's a good idea, and then we'll lean, all. always we lean on your tax advisor, your CPA to make sure that we're not running afoul of the tax man. But we'll tell you from an investment perspective and from a planning perspective what we think and there's no obligation for any radio listener to have that either over the phone, over Zoom, we're still doing Zoom or as we you know, we're approaching you're almost, you know, almost fully vaccinated. I'm going to be fully vaccinated here soon. We're also happy to meet in person with masks, you know, physically distance. We're being being careful to make sure to look out for you our listeners. So give us a call 503 503- Two five three three thousand, or shoot us an email to askbo at pfgwm.com. You can also text REVIEW, R-E-V-I-E-W to 484848. We'll be right back with Investing Simplified.
0: When planning for income and in retirement, there's a lot to consider between managing the budget that fits the family, trying to figure out from where to draw your income, or balancing the tax ramifications of withdrawals, moving into retirement can be overwhelming. At Price Financial Group, we help clients work to create a sustainable retirement roadmap, addressing these concerns and more, and helping folks feel confident in their future retirement income, right when they need it most. If you'd like a financial plan tailored just for you, please don't hesitate and call our office today at 503 253 3000 or text review to 484848 to set up your complimentary consultation. Price Financial Group offers investment advisory services through CWM LLC, an SEC registered investment advisory firm.
1: We do investing simplified.
0: You're listening to Investing Simplified. Now, back to Bo Caldwell. Welcome back to Investing Simplified. If you're just now
1: tuning in, as a reminder, please send your questions in as we work to get our way back towards being able to take phone calls. But at least for now, we are not able to take those those phone calls, which I know know, we're missing. A lot of people are missing because we're, bringing you content that we create, but if you send an email to askbo at pfgwm.com or if you don't like email and you'd just like to leave a message or or just tell one of our staff, hey, I've got a question for the guys to cover on the radio, you can call 503-253-3000. It doesn't get you on a list. It doesn't get you any mailers unless you want to sign up for our newsletter, which is free for radio listeners and anyone who'd like if you visit www.pricefg.com. That's P-R-I-C-E-F-G. G. Dot com. you can sign up there for a newsletter we send it out weekly it's got you know market insights different things that we're seeing plus a little fun things in there as well to kind of recipes keep, yeah recipes to keep it you know to keep the levity you know in there but if you'd like to sign up for that it is free um, but sending in an email to ask a question or give us a call with you know ask a question does not get you on any sort of a list so we were talking about some things that have been you know worrisome some things that come from you know the top down that are you know legislators have put out upon us, and one thing that I wanted to talk about for it doesn't apply to our Oregon listeners, despite the fact that you know we have that you know that high income tax rate like we talked about, and right. no no differentiation between capital gains and income. But for our Washington listeners, Washington State just passed uh, what's called the Long Term Care Trust Act, um, and I do th- I shouldn't say just passed; they passed it uh, um, I think actually last July. Right. Okay. You know that. You know back in. You know, I'm not sure, but it goes into effect January 1st, 2022. But what it is, it's a publicly funded insurance program
2: mm-hmm.
1: that provides working residents of Washington an opportunity to vest into a basic level of long term care benefits. Okay. And here's the here's the terminology, and that's you know going to make everyone cringe. The program will be funded by Washington workers who will pay premium assessments a tax through payroll deductions. Okay? Okay. So what that means is you're gonna pay half a percent on your wages into a pool to fund long term care for everybody else. Wow. Okay. Right? So that means if you are a Washington employee, and that doesn't mean that you know that if you're working in Washington Mm-hmm. you're going to pay into this into this trust right there's going to be a huge pool of money that's going to be paying for basic long term care benefits that we're funding and we're you know and we're paying with our premium with that payroll deductions so hypothetically right you pay you pay that premium in okay and then what's gonna what's going to happen so you get long term care insurance which is you know you get a you get to have some long term care insurance when you retire and then maybe qualify for it, right? We've talked about long-term care qualifications. You need a you need a um, uh, help with activities of daily living, right, which is toileting, ambulating, feeding. Basically, if you need to go, you know, the rule of thumb, you need skilled nursing care, right? Right. So the lifetime, the maximum benefits, okay, that you get from this program, $36,500 per person, which will be adjusted for inflation. But that's for vested Individuals, right? So if you are living in Washington, working in Washington, you're going to pay half a percent, mm-hmm. which is not, doesn't seem like that much, but it adds up over time, right? Half a percent of your wages to get into this, get into this, uh, uh, program, then you'll be a beneficial, beneficiary of it. But here's the deal, right? You get, you pay your money in, you get vested. How do you get it? But here you get it by qualifying, right? But mm-hmm. what if you, what makes you not qualify? So, Basically, benefits are not available, obviously, to people who are already permanently retired because you're not putting money in, so you're not going to get vested. But you knew who else they're not available: persons who are not residing in Washington State when qualified to receive benefits.
2: Yeah, so you got to. So you have to if you you have
1: to live there and
2: live in Washington. Yeah, it doesn't. It's not portable. It doesn't go with you. So if you wanted to retire in Oregon, you can't. Well, you could. It just wouldn't get the benefit, right? Well, <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. right. No, you're not allowed to come in, right? Yeah, no. You the the crazy thing is, right, that you can't. You know, you cannot apply to opt out of this program, right? If you, if you, or excuse me, you can't. I, let me jump. I'm jumping ahead to opt the opt out portion. Mm-hmm. I got distracted, but you can't apply for the program if you no longer live. In Washington State, once you're retired, once you qualify for benefits, so let's say you get you move to Arizona or um, Texas or Florida, right? A lot of retirees like to move to warm places, maybe to Nevada. You don't get to qualify. All that money that you've paid in over your working years just goes into the pool and pays for everybody else. Right. So I mentioned the opt out because I get excited about it. there is an opportunity to opt out. Right. You can get out of this program by proving, as all these other things are, that you have long term care coverage privately. Okay, right? so you can have long-term care cover, you can get long-term care coverage privately whether that's through a particular you know long-term care coverage policy, right if you have a long-term care policy or if you use you can use what's called a fixed indexed annuity with a long-term care writer, right So if you have either one of those or life insurance, a permanent life insurance policy with a long-term care writer. So if you have oh, to see. have some sort of insurance product that has long-term care benefits, and you prove to them that you have it, which I hate that they make you prove to them that I have it. What if I don't want it? But, you know, that's a conversation for the other day. Yeah. But so you you can get out of this benefit, or excuse me, this requirement by having that privately funded long-term care insurance. And the problem with that is, to me, there's so many different types of long-term care insurance. I just, you know, stumbled over going between, the, you know, the couple different options. But there are hundreds of yes, ways to get that long-term care coverage, right? And a lot of people get sold snake oil, by insurance agents that that's all they do is long-term care. So everybody needs long-term care. You got to have long-term care, long-term care insurance. I don't think is a bad thing. It's good to have that coverage. Right. I think this is the concept behind this is not terrible, right? We want to make sure that people are getting covered for long-term care, but forcing people to participate in a group program that, you know, I don't want to use the, you know, the, the bad S word, the socialism word, but it kind of feels like that, right? It kind yeah. of feels like this is, pu- you know, pu- you know, outsourcing and publicly funding, um, That long-term care benefit that maybe people don't want or maybe they have, uh, you know, they're self-insured, meaning they've saved up enough money that they're just going to cover their long-term care costs. There's a lot of different ways to attack the long-term care conversation. So. You know, if if you don't want to have that applied to you, if you want to talk, I don't mean to send this out as a scare tactic. It's not. It's just something that's coming through, yeah, right? Exactly, yeah. Something that's coming through for Washington residents that you're going to be participating in this. And if you say to me, "Hey, Bo, I'm you know I'm not going to move out of Washington. I'm not going to live here for the rest of my life. Half a percent, you know, fifty eight cents for every hundred dollars that I make." I don't mind paying that in because it's going to have some coverage up to $36,000 a year of coverage, which is just not very much. But so you're going to have some coverage and you don't mind. Great. But at least you knew about it. Right. But if you wanted to explore some other options, some other you know options to get out of that, and because the problem with that is, A, it's not portable, like we talked about. Can't take it with you. right? Right. But the other one, the one that jumps out at me is what if you don't need it? Right. What if you never go on claim? Now, the You know, the idea is, you know, statistically, 60% of us, almost two-thirds of us will need long-term care sometime in our life, right? And generally speaking, the longer you live, yeah. the more likely you are to, le- to need long-term care, right? Because our bodies are machines, right? We have working parts. It breaks down over time, right? And we are living longer. Everyone is living, you know, medical science is advancing, right? So we are living longer. So I feel like the odds are going up that we're going to need long-term care coverage at some time, but you may not, right? So even if you talk about two-thirds, so if you and Matt and I, if Matt was in today, we're sitting around, out of the three of us, one of us isn't going to need it, but we're all going to pay that $0.58 cents per $100 in. It I, I, This is not here in Oregon yet,
2: but, you know, I mean, if something gets passed in Washington, invariably it's going to get passed in Oregon, Eventually, right? yeah. So, But what you're saying is you can have an option. And, yeah. and when you say that, you mean like uh, with some of the writers. So instead of just having a long-term care policy, you just have a writer that you may or right. may not use.
1: Right. So if you use, instead of getting a long, you know, long-term care policy, you pay premiums in over time, you never use it. Whether you're doing it through the payroll tax deduction that Washington mm-hmm. makes you or you've got your own policy, right? We're going to pay premiums for the rest of our life. Maybe we use it. Maybe we don't. If you don't use it, you get nothing. But you were protected, right? You were protected from that long-term care event. On the annuity with a writer or the life insurance, the permanent life insurance with a writer, no matter what, you're getting something out. Right? You either go on claim and, and need the long-term care so you get the benefits from the long-term care writer, or the long-term care policy. Or with a life insurance policy, you pass away mm-hmm. without ever having used the long-term care. And now your beneficiaries get that tax-free life insurance benefit. Or with the annuity concept, you can have access to that money because you need it. Let's say you hit 85, 86 and you're not using the long-term care, but maybe you break a hip or you want to buy that camper that you've been looking right. at forever or you want to send your grandkids to college and you want to pull the money out, you can have access to it Gotcha. if you don't need the care. And then if you pass away without having used the care again, beneficiaries get a benefit and they get the money back out. So that's why it behooves you to look at different options, right? just to see what's out there and see how you can combat this, you know, this tax that they're going to put on you to, you know, fund a pool of benefits. Again, it may not fit for you, but if it's something you that you want to explore, give us a shout. You know, we can walk you through the ins and the outs of it, right? With the pros and cons because there's no there's there's cons to all of them, right? There's no silver bullet. We've talked about that a lot, but if you want to check it out if that idea of Washington forcing you to pay money into a pool of benefits for everybody else is not something that's you know palatable for you. Give us a shout; we can talk about different ways, and it doesn't have to be crazy expensive to get it done, right? The idea, like I said, it's life insurance. If you're in good health, we can we can get that taken care of. It's pretty easy, right? So give us a call 503-253-3000. and we're happy to talk through that. We're happy to talk through any other you know financial issues you know that you've been worried about. And I've been informed, Matt. I don't know if you know this, but we've been informed by. Uh, but you know our, our compliance department regulars. We you know we have to tell you we'll do our best to uh, to assuage any fears or any anything that's been keeping you up at night. I can't promise that I'll make you feel better if something's been keeping you up at right. night about your. <laughs> <laughs> they're going to get a finances. kick out of this, yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah. Well, you know, what are you, what are you going to do? So you know, as we you know we have a couple minutes left here, Matt. Uh, you know, I think it'd, it'd be good to talk about what are, what are some issues that you've come across with you know with listeners when you've met with them over the last couple of weeks you know, stuff that people have been bringing up, what are, what have people been, you know, concerned about and talking about with you?
2: Well, I mean, some of the subjects repeat themselves. So, you know, there's a lot of fear with, um, how high the market continuously goes. Right. And so, um, you know, Hey, but it's, it's going higher. It's, it's higher. And at what, what point are we going to have a correction? And so, you know, our, our normal res- response to something like that is, you know, understandably you're at a position where, you know, uh, you know, the market continuously chucks up and up and up. But what happens after a correction, you know, usually mm-hmm. comes back to its means. So it's more of figuring out a right mix of a portfolio. So that way it's built for for the future and the good, good and the bad. Um, and then the second question that I've come across that I actually appreciate is um, we've I've had a few uh, few people that I've chatted with where. They said, you know, I've done what I've done, which is I've saved my life savings over the time, uh, you know, when I was working. And I'm ready to hand it off to somebody to work on and invest for me, um, which is which is great for us, right? Because we appreciate working with clients and managing the assets. Yeah. But my rebuttal has always been that it's not all, you know, it's not like, hey, here's here's my assets and just kind of. Right, hang well, on to them. Put my hand in the sand. It's a, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a two-way street where we kind of have a continued conversation and continue to grow the asset with you. The difference is, you know, maybe when you retire, you're not going to be rebalancing your 401k. You're not going to be as actively participating and you will have somebody on your side that kind of almost like a coach and a person that's um, helping you through the different variations of the market. So um, yeah. those have been coming up. That makes sense. And so, you know, yeah. it's it kind of the idea of
1: when you're Talking about, you know, working with an advisor, you know, you're, you are turning over technically the, not the control, but the decision making in terms yeah, of, it's conceivably. But if you're working with a fiduciary firm that I know the way that we work is, you know, like you said, a coach is a good way to put it. I'd even say more a partner. Right, not necessarily just a coach. I mean, you know, we do wear all those hats, right? We're a coach, we're a partner, we're a counselor. (laughs) Yeah, all right, of the above. But the idea is, you know, we work in in tandem with our clients to make sure that, you know, because ultimately when it comes down to it, right, it's your money. Yeah. It's It's not your advisor's money, it's your money. So you need to be happy with and comfortable with the stratagem that they're using, and you need to also be working with somebody that listens to you, but you need to be working with somebody that you'll listen to as well, right? Yeah. Because if your advisor has been telling you this, you know, do this, do that, do this, do that, and you don't listen, or vice versa, you say these are the things I want and they don't listen, then maybe that relationship isn't isn't the right one, right? Maybe it's worth exploring a different, you know, financial advisory relationship. But it needs to be a partnership, a, you know, a team aspect, right? The idea being that you're working together. So you're not, that that, that does come up a lot where people are afraid of, loosening up the reins you can still have a certain amount of control because you're building out the vision right but what we're looking to do is to help people so that they don't have to focus on it you can focus on retirement whatever that means whatever retirement means for you but so that you don't have to keep your your eyes on the market or like you said keep rebalancing it or worrying about
2: yeah and you have different tools that are available with an advisor a lot of times right They're uh you know we use uh professional portfolio managers that do this for a living in day in and day out when we Couple that with you know financial planning and software mm-hmm. and tools, mm-hmm. and so we're keeping things in much better check than a you know probably an average person just kind of you know logging in once in once in a while and just checking it. Not that there's anything wrong with that because I think it works out for a lot of people. But if you don't want the additional burden and you right. just want to you know hey I've saved my money this this has been great but I'm gonna now go ahead and have somebody just kind of also gives you an extra layer disconnecting from your funds you know so you're mm-hmm. like okay i have to go through this person to be able to make some make changes and yeah, that person will then maybe stop me from selling when the market's yeah. going down or maybe it'll help me you know save some money on the capital gains taxes or something mm-hmm. i mean mm-hmm. it, there's a lot that, that goes into it
1: yeah there's a lot of pieces right and there's a yeah. lot of reasons that you work With a fiduciary advisor, same as you work with a CPA or work with an estate attorney, right? You're or you know, folks worked with you in your profession, right? Because you're a professional, right? So you want to have somebody that's that's helping you to you know to do those checkups. Like Chuck used to always call himself the you know, the financial doctor, even though obviously he didn't have a doctorate, right? But the idea of being you have someone that's check getting a checkup on your finances, right? You're getting you have a professional that is looking and trying to diagnose any maladies that may be in your portfolios but just generally in your financial life you mentioned the financial plan and that's where we like to that's where we like to base everything right is right. on a on a plan because it is hard for people to differentiate between what the market's doing and what their portfolio yeah. is doing and the third differentiation is what do they need their portfolio to do
2: to be able to to achieve their goals right yeah and then digesting all the news that are just being pumped to us every single day right right yeah. well
1: because you know by the time the new by the time a story hits cnbc or fox business or bloomberg or whatever you know channel you're getting your financial news from yeah. by the time the news hits it there, the professional investors mm-hmm. the big money's already they've already digested it and acted on it yeah they've moved the money around so too. when yeah. when you hear oh you know amazon's gonna have a 10 for one stock split which turns out it didn't right mm-hmm. but when you hear that news the professionals are already on top of it right so trying to react based on what you can see on those talking heads it really helps and not that we're Ahead of anybody else, right? We're not right. the smartest guys in the room. We try to, like you said, have an all weather portfolio. Well, I you know, I I appreciate you guys tuning in today. I appreciate you listening. I've gotten a lot of good feedback from listeners and, and please, if you're if you'd like to just send an email just to share feedback About the show, we'd really appreciate that as well. We're trying to bring information to you, just trying to provide a service to those folks here in the Portland metro area um, and surrounding areas wherever you listen to podcasts. So we really appreciate you tuning in. If you'd like a complimentary review session with a member of our team, whether that's virtual or in person, please give us a call 503 253 3000. We have offices in Clackamas, Tigard. Uh, northwest portland or bethany as it's called as well as vancouver washington so we're happy to meet you whatever's the most convenient for you thanks for tuning in we'll be back next week with more investing simplified
0: price financial group, wealth management The opinions voiced in Investing Simplified with Bo Caldwell are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine what may be appropriate for you, consult with your attorney, accountant, financial or tax advisor prior to investing. Investors cannot invest directly in indexes. The performance of any index is not indicative of the performance of any investment and does not take into account the effects of inflation and the fees and expenses associated with investing. Guests on Investing Simplified are not affiliated with CWM LLC. Investment advisory services offered through CWM LLC, an SEC registered investment advisor. grew grow, wealth management.
2: Price, financial grow, wealth, management.
1: We do investing simplified.